Public Relations Chair and Co-President of Osberg. If you don't know what Osberg is, it's the Oregon State Public Interest Research Group. Basically, we recruit um, interns, volunteers, and promote um, accessibility, campaigning, signatures. We talk with legislatures, all that fun stuff to promote political advocacy on campuses throughout the nation. We've been um, active and student-led for over 50 years. And just a fun fact, Obama was part of the Pergs when he was in college. Um, today for our first podcast, we are interviewing Sarah Cunningham. Sarah, thank you so, so much for being here. Uh, Sarah is a professor of anthropology here at Oregon State University and is also um, closely related with the Human, Ser Human Services Resource Center here at Oregon State. So, um, Sarah, th thank you again for being here. I just wanted to ask, um, could you please go into more detail about um, your profession, your role at OSU and beyond campus, um, and um, what you're passionate about and how that can, can encourage um, student advocacy here on campus? Sure. Well, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Um, like you said, I teach here at OSU. I'm an instructor um, half-time, so I, I teach for about half of my responsibilities. And then I'm a program coordinator for the other half of the time. And that's where I'm involved with the uh, food and culture and social justice program. And so I teach in that and I work with students and help them connect with some of the service learning components of the courses and things like that. And then um, outside of the university, uh, I'm an applied cultural anthropologist. That's my training. And so um, I engage with real world things that concern me um, mm -hmm. in my own community. And so um, primarily... These days, that's through a 501c3 nonprofit called Fresh and Local First. And we oh. fundraise for Snap Match at the farmer's markets in Lynn and Benton counties. Okay. Could you describe what Snap Match means? Sure. So Snap is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, formerly known as Food Stamps. And it's the primary mechanism by which we as a country support people of low incomes getting more food than they otherwise have access to based on those incomes. Um, SNAP is um, historically something that runs out before the month is over. It's, it's not a, um, a replacement. It is supplemental. Mm. Um, and because of that budget stretching problem, um, right. it can be hard to, to feed yourself on that budget. Um, and it can be even harder to access the great, like, fresh local food that we have here in the valley. Uh, and so SNAP Match at the farmer's market simply um, doubles uh, a, an amount, $10, up to 20 at some, sometimes of the Wow. The funding is great, you know, coming on in, but um, $10 is sort of standard. That's great. And I know the Human Services Resource Center does offer um, resources for SNAP, um, whether it's just educational. Um, so what is your involvement with the HSRC, and what are the main student support programs that it runs? Mm, yeah. Um, I got involved with the HSRC back when I was a doctoral student, and it was sort of getting up and going around the same time I was getting the food pantry up and going. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually, you know, we've moved the food pantry into the HSRC's programming. Um, that's one of the things they do is operate the food pantry and obviously connect students to other kinds of resources, whether that's helping them connect with someone that can help with that SNAP application, which can be a little daunting, mm -hmm. um, but lots of other kinds of things too, you know, rental um, questions and things like that. But they also have the healthy beaver bags that they um, offer, which are only available to OSU students versus the pantry, which is open to the public. Um, and those are wonderful because they encourage cooking and, you know, it gives you a recipe. There's some wonderful fresh food in there. 
And then they have a whole bunch of other kinds of services too, things like uh, the textbook assistance program, which wow. is meant to take you know some of that burden off of your food budget. Um, you can there's spaces for laundry, all kinds of things that really cool. uh, housing or food insecure student might want to take advantage of. Yeah, a lot of that I was not even aware of, and I'm sure a lot of students just don't know about. Um, the OSU food pantry that you mentioned, you created in 2009 with Dana Johnson. Am mm -hmm. I pronouncing that yep. right? Yep. Um, it offers weekly grocery support to students in need as well as um, any community member in need. How is the Lynn Benton Food Share involved in providing grocery assistance mm. for our community? And can students get involved in volunteering either at the pantry or the Lynn Benton Food Shelter? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Lynn Benton Food Share is the sort of regional step up um, that supplies other food pantries in addition to the HSRC. So the one on the north end of town uh, and the South Corvallis Food Bank, for instance, um, they, they bring the, the food to us. Um, they are part of the Oregon Food Bank Network, which is sort of the statewide network. Oh, okay. And that's what helps the Lynn Benton Food Share tap into things like not only, you know, donations that people give in, but relationships with farmers and, um, you know, harvesting green beans and freezing them in bags directly to go to food pantries as opposed to mm -hmm. only reclaiming food like from the grocery chain. Um, so what they do is really, really important. And because of that repacking work, there's always a chance to volunteer for them. Um, you can look on their website and find their volunteer coordinator. And yeah, that you can, um, a repack is fun. It's a good way to bring a group of people together and to um, just spend a couple hours doing, doing something useful. Great, that's super cool. Um, the Oregon Food Bank, um, how have you seen their um, structure and the things that they do? How, how have they had to adjust to COVID-19? And has it affected um, the processes at the food pantry here at OSU? Um, food pantries uh, and food security supports across the board were heavily um, impacted by COVID because the need was already there. You know, we already have right. this food insecurity problem, and it was definitely exacerbated by COVID. Um, that presented a challenge to organizations in terms of being able to get volunteers together. How do you do a food repack safely when you need to have people being, you know, far apart? Um, it also impacts the availability of volunteers at food pantries. So mm -hmm. a lot of food pantries, including our campus one, have um, a shopping style kind of approach. So instead of just giving you a box pre-prepared, you get to some selection and in, in mm -hmm. what foods you'd like to take. Mm -hmm. um, and that requires volunteers to walk you through. And particularly outside of our campus community, we kind of forget here because we have a lot of students, <laughs> primarily among our volunteers. Um, but outside of a campus community, often it's older women that uh, are oh, wow. filling those volunteer roles. And especially if they were vulnerable to COVID just because of age or other health conditions, oh, wow. that can really mean that they can't go and volunteer. So volunteer bodies themselves became a challenge. And then that's all, of course, you know, separate from the supply chain kinds of things that affected everybody, whether it's the emergency food chain supply um, or grocery store prices, things of all of those natures. That is very interesting. I'm glad you um, brought that up, that interesting fact about the older women volunteering, because um, it is a little ironic because we are in a college town. You would think that most of the volunteers would be, you know, younger college age. I remember volunteering for a watershed project and I was one of the only college students everyone else was over the age of 60 for the most part and we were working hard planting trees digging holes it was a watershed project here in Corvallis mm. um, so that's super interesting but also um, kind of heartfelt to like see that our community is still tight-knit and um, all age groups are involved mm -hmm. um, with wanting to make a difference 
Um, speaking of which, what types of projects have you worked on to promote sustainable and resilient food accessibility either in our community or outside of the community, or what are some highlights of those projects? Yeah, um, I'm really, really proud of Fresh and Local First and the work that we do through that. Um, I think it's really valuable not only for low-income SNAP recipients who would like to be able to use some of their SNAP benefits at the farmer's market, it's also beneficial in terms of our local sustainable food system because SNAP dollars are, we might think of them as the um, the public per plate instead of the public purse, right? But it's, it's public money that's being directed in support of low-income folks to wherever they end up buying their groceries. And when they buy that food from a local farm at a farmer's market, that is federal money going directly into the hands of our small local farmers who are already themselves struggling to make a, a decent living. And so um, it's really a, a two-for-one kind of strategy that we can get fresh, nutritious food into the hands of low-income folks that want it and also um, more money to support our local farmers so that they can keep doing what they're doing because mm. obviously we – we want them to keep doing what they're doing. We enjoy that yeah. food, and it's great. We're really lucky to have such a vibrant local food system here. Yeah. What is Fresh and Local First? Is that just a... Yeah, that's the name of the nonprofit. It's a, nonprofit. It, it's a 501c3 um, nonprofit. Okay. And, um, yeah, that's just the name that we, we gave it to emphasize that we're, we would love, much like um, other local organizations, we really want fresh local food to be the first mm -hmm. choice for everyone in our community. Absolutely. And could you please briefly go over what double SNAP double up means? Sure. So um, you can already use your SNAP benefits at farmers markets. Not all of them. They have to have a machine and be tapped in. But the, the ones in our area, you can, um, just like at the grocery store. Um, what the double up, um, it's double up food bucks is what the current program is called. Um, but SNAP matches goes by other names. Um, mm -hmm. And essentially what it does is gives you uh, says if you spend ten dollars or maybe it's twenty dollars depending on the program, um, then we'll match that. We'll give you another ten dollars or twenty dollars or whatever, essentially doubling up to a certain amount the your SNAP benefit. So, mm -hmm. um, free money to spend on fresh local food. Yeah, really cool. Um, a lot of people don't. I didn't know about that until I started doing my own personal research. And I was like, hmm, what is this double up thing? How does it affect the worth of a dollar yeah. in our local community, and things like that. Um, kind of going into a question about rural food access. I know I have a class with Sarah right now. We um, tried to define the word rural, and we couldn't really put a specific definition to it, um, which is interesting because everyone has their own concept of it. But um, according to OSU's policy analysis laboratory called OPAL, uh, food necessity rates in Oregon have more than doubled since the pandemic. Furthermore, the report shows that prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, Rural food insecurity had fallen three percentage points, leading to a 9.8% food insecurity rate by 2017 through 2019, which was the lowest food insecurity rate for Oregon ever measured during the past 25 years. That data was collected by the USDA. How can political advocacy efforts on campus and off campus, such as um, ASOSU, StudentGov, or Osberg, strengthen our involvement in supporting food policy changes? Um, looking at rural areas specifically, too. Yeah. Um, rural areas, as you you mentioned, are one of the places that we have come to recognize that there's um, a, a great risk of food insecurity. And that mm -hmm. has to do, of course, with um, poverty that has come to so many of those communities as industries have changed and mechanized and closed and gone offshore and all that sort of stuff. Right. Um, 
so Oregon as a whole also has the sort of dubious distinction of having been one of the hungriest states in the nation for quite some time. Um, we also, because Oregon Food Bank is such a great organization that it is, have been feeding people very effectively, which is sort of doesn't make sense, right? Like, how could we be among the hungriest nations, uh, hungriest states in the nation right. and be feeding people so much and so well? And the reason is that hunger is not a food problem. It's a poverty problem. Got it. And that is at the heart of your question about what kinds of advocacy we need mm -hmm. is that we really must continue to shift the conversation away from food insecurity programs as a, you know, air quote solution to um, this, po this hunger problem when it's definitely not. The only things that will be solutions are in the real and lasting sense are things that deal with the structural inequities that mm. lead to risks and vul special vulnerabilities of you know, rural folk or elderly folk um, or LGBTQ youth who are unhoused. You know, all, the list goes on about sp those kinds of vulnerabilities. And we can do all the food drives we want and raise all the money we want, but none of that will touch any of those, those topics. And so that's, I think, what's so, so important is that um, it's, it's important that we continue to support the programs that are feeding people and addressing immediate need, because obviously that's immediate mm -hmm. need and it needs to be met. But um, we can't let ourselves off the hook and think that we've done enough if we're only feeding immediate need. We need to also be making phone calls and writing letters and showing up to town halls and saying, by the way, I really appreciate your support of you know, expanding SNAP or whatever, what are you doing about housing costs? Or what are you doing about, you know, living wages? Those mm -hmm. kind of questions also have to be asked. Yeah, and that's another super important thing that Osberg is involved in um, from term to term, um, depending on where the COVID pandemic has led us. We have had the opportunity, opportunity to talk directly with legislatures and typically would go directly into the state capitol, but COVID has made restrictions for that. Um, just to like advocate, especially from a college campus, like people want to hear our voices and what the next generation has to offer. And I've personally taken several like ethnic studies classes here at my time at OSU, where we talk a lot about this concept of overcoming the dominant discourse, mm -hmm. which is like the foundation behind all of these problems that we're seeing in society that we want to advocate for. But I think it is really important that our student body is aware of why are we seeing these problems truly and understanding that to its fullest. Um, I think I have just one more question for you, sure. kind of going off of that, but where do you see room for improvement in general student awareness and involvement um, in the programs, not mm -hmm. just through the HSRC, but just in general? Hmm, good question. Um, I think for the most part, students are as involved as they are able to be. Um, and I think that is for a lot of reasons, um, financial reasons, you know, having to work um, on top of studying and, and just the, the stresses of that kind of stuff. That limits the amount of mental energy we have to, you know, commit ourselves to other kinds of projects that we know will also, you know, take from our energy, even though we might know they're really important. Um, I think uh, looking for ways to um, build service and experiential learning into your coursework plan is a great option. You know, if, if you need to maximize, as I totally understand, you know, the number of credits you're taking and the number of hours you're spending on whatever you're doing in a term, um, you know, if you can do a service learning course that satisfies your, your itch to volunteer to give some time or some skills um, and also get yourself, you know, an upper division credit, <laughs> awesome. You know, that's sort of a, mm -hmm. a, a great way to go about it. 
Um, but even beyond a formal kind of engagement, um, we're all members of this campus community and the wider Corvallis community and the wider Oregon community. Uh, and we, um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't stop just because we're busy. Uh, writing letters, making a phone call, um, like going to a town hall when the, they come to where we are. These are smaller, less, you know, time commitment kind of things that we can do. Um, which still make a difference and still keep us connected. Uh, and I also right. think just having informal conversations with one another. You know, we never know how, how much our enthusiasm might be the spark that someone else needs. Because a lot right. of these issues, like food insecurity, oh, that's just, daunt it's so big, it's so heavy, it's so yeah. daunting. Where do yeah. I even begin? Yeah. But, you know, when we connect with one another and we share um, the things that make us excited about the work to be done, you know, that mm -hmm. can have kind of a ripple effect, I think. Right. I totally agree with that statement. And I, I also agree with just like showing some hope in some areas where it's needed is kind of could start a wildfire. You'd never know. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to add to share with our students just in regards to awareness, campaigning? Um, keep reading. Um, you know, the news can be daunting, but, you know, get yourself a Google alerts for the, the, the few topics that you want to keep up on and carve out a little time for that um, just to keep up on things um, and keep leaning on one another. Great. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your wonderful insight. Um, and everyone listening, please be sure to tune into this podcast through Orange Media Network, KBVR-FM, the site, or this will be posted on Spotify. Um, I also just want to remind you that Osberg is working on our two campaigns right now. One of them is the Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Campaign. The other one is continuation of last term's 100% renewable energy campaign in the state of Oregon. Um, actually, this Friday, we have donation boxes going up in the SEC, Dixon, MU. Honestly, it might pop up in your dorm. We don't know yet for sure. Um, but we are partnering this term with Jackson Street Youth Services, Inc. Um, and they have their website information just attached to those donation boxes. You can see what their needs assessment is, um, what is what you can donate, what you can't donate. Um, and I actually personally um, work closely with Jackson Street Youth Services, and it's a wonderful nonprofit organization that um, supports runaway and homeless youth, uh, family reunification, um, and it's just a wonderful organization, and um, it's just our way of promoting an awareness for hunger and homelessness here in our uh, local community. Um, and thank you again, Sarah, for joining us, and we hope to see you guys next time. Thank you. Thank you.